Greetings, folks. Welcome to episode 51 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. What you're about to hear is my very first live episode as part of the very first Sacramento Podcast Festival. My guests were broadcasting legend Pat Martin of 98 Rock, and I had live music from Peace Killers. So before I get to my guests and I, I would just like to thank the folks over at the Stab Theater again for having us and putting up with the metal show that had the band. A lot of strings were pulled to make this work, and I'm very, very appreciative of them allowing me to do the show I set out to do. Now, on to the show. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Far Beyond Metal live at the Stab Theater as part of the Sacramento Podcast Festival. Day three and a half, I believe. Who's been here the entire weekend? You, sir. What are you taking notes on, by the way? I saw you yesterday. Uh, can you can you write me down as like six inches taller than I am, please? A, a whopping five foot one, then. All right. Well, this is Far Beyond Metal. Like I said, is a heavy metal interview podcast. It is going to get loud later as I have musically us peace killers joining us. But first, uh, there are about four people in the world who I say really help shape who I am musically, and three of them are in the room right now. Uh, two of them are my parents, and the other one is this gentleman right here. This is Pat Martin from Ninety Eight Rock. Ladies and gentlemen, Pat Martin. I mean, growing up in uh, junior high, high school, all my summers were spent playing video games and listening to the 98 Rock stream at uh, from so 10 to 3. You're a massive underachiever. Oh, my God. Summer, it was saying. summertime. <laughs> I, I mean, what did I do during the summer for hobbies other than play video games? I got really good at doing jumps in Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Um, yeah. Simpsons Hit and Run, it's the same game. Basically, anything I, where I'm not supposed to be doing jumps in, that's what I was playing. I am proud to have helped you yes. with this, these life goals. <laughs> As I'm, motivation. I'm fantastic at it now in that I only play old Mario games. So I've regressed, really. Thank you for helping me regress. Yeah, you're welcome. So uh, some background on why you were here. Uh, yes, this is a heavy metal show. Um, 98 Rock is a hard rock station. Um, you don't play too much of the screamy, deathcore, uh, you know, mosh pity stuff. However, you helped show a lot of this town what I call gateway bands. So, like, I learned about Metallica from you, Megadeth, Pantera, all the, like, classic heavy stuff. And I feel like that's the case for a lot of people in this town. And uh, I feel like you deserve more credit for that. If there's, if there's one station, it would be us. Of course. I wouldn't say we're that now. I would say we used to be. Uh-huh. But I- now things have changed. You know, the station's evolved. And we're no longer, I know you, people might consider us the hard rock or heavy metal station. Quite honestly, we're not, we're not even close. We play a little, little hard rock, but that's about it. Get your, like, nothing else matters out of the way for that guitar solo and yeah, yeah. Sandman's and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, we, the first time I ever actually spoke to you is kind of an embarrassing story for me. And I've, I don't know if you remember me telling you this when we briefly worked together. Uh, I was about... 13 or 14 and Metallica was just coming back. They did this thing called the Summer Sanitarium Tour with uh, Limp Bizkit, Mudvayne, and some others. But they were uh, doing ticket giveaways on 98 Rock if you heard a specific song by Metallica. So I was listening for five hours a day during these blocks looking for this one song. And one day I was like, all right, I'm going to figure out how this song goes. That way, as soon as it starts, I'm going to call. I'm going to be like, caller number 18 or whatever the magic number is. It's usually 18. Do you remember what the song was? Uh, I... Don't, but I know what it should be. If I had, if I look at my phone, I could figure out what it is because it's the second song on Ride the Lightning, which that comes into play, which might be For Whom the Bell Tolls. Yeah, it is. It's For Whom the Bell Tolls. Okay. So I'm sitting at home. I'm waiting to listen for the song to play and I'm sitting there and Ride the Lightning plays. I'm like, all right, this is a Metallica song. This, they're just trying to trick me. Next song plays is For Whom the Bell Tolls. I call 
I'm sitting there, fuck, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it. You answer the phone, I'm like, did I win? You're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you just played from the bell tolls. I'm like, no, I didn't. I'm like, no, you totally did. You're like, no, I didn't. I know what I played. I was like, no, you absolutely, why are you messing with me? You're like, go look at your radio right now. I was like, okay, what's it say? Uh, the CD started playing. Uh, I'm you really, had a CD. Yeah, I had a CD playing, and I called you, and I swore that I was the winner. I think you laughed at me, and you hung up on me. I don't. I I got too embarrassed to find out if you played it on the air. I stopped listening for the day because I just couldn't. I couldn't risk being on the radio again with that nonsense. That damn thirteen-year-olds <laughs> thinking I know better than the master. That's funny. So, uh, also in recent years, despite you saying the station is no longer like the heavy station, you have adapted a uh, rather unusual middle name in fucking. Uh, yeah, just a nickname. So I have a T-shirt. To is prove it, it is it Gaelic? How, where did where does fucking? I what's the origin of fucking? I don't know. People have called me that forever, and somebody said let's make a T-shirt. So they made T-shirts, and it's bleeped out with our logo. And we've actually sell them. We sold about ten thousand of them so far. So if you see one at the store, they somebody probably bought it. <laughs> yeah, it's just an old nickname. We were at a aftershock last year. My dad and I, and we saw a bunch of them on the the goers, and yeah. Then of course you pop out and you're wearing one yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you introduced in this moment last year. Was it in this moment? The one where the lady came out with the tree on her head. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. You you're don't right. forget the tree on good her memory. Head. It Thanks. was in this moment. I only remember the tree really. Yeah, Maria. Um, yes. What first got you started in radio? Because I know you've been at 98 Rock, or I think it was 93 Rock maybe when you started? It was. Uh, for 30 years last August. But how did you get your initial radio late? Well, I was a, a journalist for my high school newspaper, and uh, I did concert reviews. And I went to interview a guy at a radio station. And when I got there, this is down in Southern California in uh, Orange County. And the station was... Just crazy cool, man. I just love the whole vibe of it. And I asked the guy, I said, what do I got to do to get into radio? How do you do this? And he goes, well, what you do, man, is you go to San Diego State. They got a great college radio station and a great college program. So you know what I did? I went to San Diego State. And he was right. It worked. So that's how I got into radio. I just interviewed a guy, fell in love with it, and thought, what a cool business. Be around rock stars and cool vibe and communication and, you know, touching people over the radio. It's very cool. I loved it. What was your show called? Like, do you remember the format Just, or anything about yeah, it? It was rock. Always, I've always done rock stations. I've only worked at three stations my whole career. Damn. So I worked at, well, not counting my college station. And people to this day say, hey, man, how do I get into the radio? I go, dude, go to college. Take communications, journalism, whatever. Work for your college station. Sac State has one. UC Davis, Davis has one. Yeah. So um, they've all been rock stations. So my college station, then I got hired as a, a weekender at, at the big station in San Diego, KGB, KGB FM. And then I went KGB to... KGB like the Russian thing? Well, they, <laughs> they were KGB before there was a Russian KGB. Sure. So, uh, I bet they're all connected. I know. It's a weird call letters, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> and then I, I went to uh, KMET in Los Angeles after that. And then I went back to San Diego for about a year and a half. And then I came up here. And I thought I would be here like two years. And now it's, I'm, it's almost 31. 31 what, years. What kept you in Sacramento? Like, why Sac? I don't know. I guess I kind of grew up here. And I got married here and bought houses here. And I uh, had my kids here. And I just never wanted to move my kids around. Because radio is a very nomadic business. It's, all my friends in radio have worked at 15, 20 stations all over the country. 
I didn't want to go from San Diego to Albuquerque, New Mexico, to Denver, Colorado, to Syracuse, New York, to wherever. I wanted to just kind of have some roots for my kids. So I put up with a little bit of crap over the years and, you know, speed bumps and such. But I've managed to keep my job somehow. And it's been to the benefit of uh, stability of my children. That's good. So I did it for the kids. Be quite honest with you. I moved around a lot when I was younger. My dad was in the army. Yeah. Uh, no shots fired there in the back, but uh, yeah. Way to go, Dad. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Thanks, <laughs> Army. Uh, on your bio page on the krxq.net website, there yeah. are uh, a couple interesting points that I wanted to ask you about. Uh, one of them, it's probably going back quite a bit in your life, is that you were on Kids Say the Darndest Things. Oh yeah. What was, was the darndest thing you said? Well, they what they do. Does everybody remember that show? It was with yeah. Art Linkletter. Do you remember Art Linkletter's house party? You remember when they had the kids come out? I was one of those kids because I grew up in the L.A. area, and they would they would get most of their kids from the L.A. area. I like ninety percent of the kids on the show, you know, so because of travel, so it was easy to get to CBS Studios in in Hollywood is where they taped the show. So they kind of feed you the questions. When you're a kid, I was 10 years old. They give you the questions. And what was your question? My question was, what's the worst thing your parents have ever done? And? And my, my answer, which I never, I didn't even know what a credit card was. They, just, they said, just say credit cards. And I said credit cards, and everybody laughed. <laughs> I didn't even know what, what that even meant. What's a credit card? So, you know, anyway, they feed you the answers. I think Linkletter people needed a bit of a punch-up there. Yeah, yeah. What's really cool, though, Art Linkletter, now I didn't know this until long after I was in radio, Art Linkletter himself went to San Diego State University, and he actually was the first program director ever at KGB Radio. And I couldn't couldn't believe it when I found that out, because I went there and I worked at KGB. And when I got to talk to Mr. Linkletter many years ago, I, I mentioned that to him, and he was quite uh, quite impressed. He was quite amused. Yeah. Also on that same page, uh, and you mentioned somebody else I want to ask you about, but uh, you were friends with Jim Henson? Well, I was. I, I struck up a friendship with Jim. It only lasted about five years, unfortunately, because he passed away. But um, I had been sent over to London, England, to cover Live Aid, and uh, I was in the I was interviewing people for uh, for my radio station and for a network and just so happens I was sitting in the media section and he was right next to me I didn't know who he was and at one point during the show David Bowie came over and everybody was freaking out wow it's David Bowie what man, he's coming up into the stands so David Bowie comes over and I'm sitting here and here's Jim Henson right here and David Bowie is right here and they're talking to each other like this and I finally realized, oh, this guy is um, somebody's making a movie. I, and I could hear him talking about this movie they were making called Labyrinth. And so Bowie came over to talk to. And so I figured out, I said, who are you? What do you? He says, well, you know, I'm, I'm the guy who created the Muppets. I'm, I'm Jim Henson, the Muppet guy. You know Muppets? I, I go, I, yeah, I know the Muppets. You're him? I'd be very curious how Jim Henson would introduce himself. I'm Jim Henson. Very great, humble. Creator and, of Kermits. He was with his daughters. Anyway, he and I uh, agreed to stay in touch. I had him on my radio show several times. Um, and he came up a couple times. He came down to San Diego from L.A. a couple times. So, yeah, I got to know him. 
Pretty, pretty well. I know these days uh, the Muppet crew that goes out, they will do interviews with puppets. Did you ever interview a puppet during <laughs> any sort of interaction with Jim Henson? Because no, even on, a, like, uh, on an old Nerdist episode, the Muppets were on there, and he swears the puppets were there to be interviewed rather than just like a puppeteer. Oh, yeah. No, I, I would like to have, though. That would have been fun. Did you yeah. ever meet Kermit? No. Heck. Well, I guess maybe I did. Cause oh, I mean, what, you met what, the real deal Kermit. Wasn't so. Jim Henson Kermit the Frog? Yes. Does anybody know? Frank Oz. Was it Frank Oz? Who, now, what did Jim Henson did something, though, didn't he? Was he picky? <laughs> he was one of the Muppets, I think. I'm not sure. All right, well, there's no way to find out with a smart no. device in our pockets. Don't, no. don't Google it. Uh, how was the rest of Live Aid? Did you get to see Phil Collins run in between stages or anything? Yeah, well, I saw the whole insane? thing start to finish. And um, the most remarkable thing happened at the very end of Live Aid was um, it was a big emotional day. And over in England, you know, it was like in Philadelphia where the other Live Aid was going on. It was a party. In England, it was not so much a party. It was more of a let's save world, let's, let's solve world hunger. It was more of a humanitarian sort of thing to the people in, in England. But anyway, at the end of the event, Paul McCartney wrapped it up. And it was quite a shame because they didn't have his microphone on for at least half of the song. And he started playing piano and singing Let It Be. And they did not have his microphone on at Live Aid, and there was a crowd of 82,000 people who did not hear Paul McCartney sing Let It Be. They finally got the mic on halfway through the song or so. Yeah. And I don't know who played which stage at Live Aid. Was that also where Queen? Were you at that the Queen performance? The Queen thing was phenomenal. Has, have you guys seen the, the movie Bohemian Rhapsody? So I was there. I witnessed that whole thing with Queen. And that was. I'm glad you brought that up because that was remarkable. When that was going down... You know, Queen was Queen was kind of over at that point. They were they were not doing real well as a band, and they come out at Live Aid, and when the stuff started happening, like you'll see in the movie, it was really weird. We all realized, wow, we are we are witnessing rock and roll history. This is going to be a moment in rock history that's going to go down in the books, and we we're, we're here. We witnessed it, and we actually realized it when it was happening. It was so cool. Most people don't realize it when you're like in the in it. So that's really cool. What what made it feel like extra special? Well, I'll tell you when they. Okay, so they do. They did a little bit of Bohemian Rhapsody, and then the second song they did. Um, we saw the movie. Radio Gaga was the second song, and I've never seen anything like this in my life. There's a crowd of eighty three thousand people. We Americans, we don't know how to clap in unison. Our synchronization sucks. We, we're like a bunch of just, we, we're not syncopated at all. And in, in England, it was so amazing to me when he goes into the song and 83,000 people going like at the same Where exact time from front to back. Exactly. You know, Guys, unbelievable, man. Proving him right. So watch the video. If you've, never, if you've seen the movie, you'll watch the, the videos on YouTube. And that synchronization is mind-boggling. To see it live, too, it's like, wow, never in America have I seen that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would never expect the key like, thing of a magic moment is rhythm. But, you know, I'm a bassist. I should probably know that. Uh, out back, you mentioned that uh, you were friends with Dio, Ronald James Dio. I was, yeah. How, what was he like? Well, I, he was a really nice man, um, He's the nicest guy I've ever met in, in music, not to mention one of the most gigantic figures in metal history. Um, for, for a guy who was about five feet four, he was a giant among men. 
But I got to know him. I was friends with a band called Rough Cut, and uh, they were managed by Wendy Dio, his wife. And so through, through Rough Cut and Wendy, I got invited over to their house and got to know Ronnie. And Ronnie had been on my radio shows many times, too. He was a really just wonderful guy, very warm and humble. And you talk about voices. What a voice, right? I mean, just, I don't know how you can beat Ronnie's voice. I don't think you can anymore. I don't think there's anyone that comes close or yeah. before or after. I was quite sad when he passed away. Did you catch any of the uh, the last Heaven and Hell tour he did with, uh, I think, Geezer, Iomi, and No, Finney? I did not. I hadn't seen him in some years when he passed away. Uh, do, have you ever met Geezer Butler? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Full disclosure, he's like my all-time guest to get on the show. Really? And I don't even really want to talk music. I just want to talk about cats. I, I follow his wife and him on Instagram, and his wife's big into like animal rescue stuff. And I would be happy just to like show him my tattoo, and we could talk about our cats. And then I'd be like, I play bass. He's like, of course, everyone plays bass. I'm like, I'm sorry. And then I'd walk away from him. Oh. But like, yeah, Geezer's, Geezer's my guy. When I mentioned the four people who helped shape my thing, he's number four because oh, Sabbath, wow. Sabbath is why I play music. Well, I, I've interviewed him a couple times, and remember when uh, Ozzy headlined Ozfest one year, and they played out at the amphitheater. Was and I probably had, there. <laughs> I had Geezer Butler on my show, and I remember one question I I asked him. I was a little surprised. I go, "So you're you're over sixty now, and you, you you have nothing to prove. I mean, how's your how's your musicianship? Do you you st- do you feel like you've you've hit a plateau?" He goes, "No, no. I I think I need to get a lot better." I go, really? You feel like you need to improve the craftsmanship with which you play music? He says, yeah. Well, how do you do that? And he says, I practice. I practice every day. So it was cool to hear. You know, you never give up improving no matter where you're at. You never give up learning and, and, and improving. He has a new band that's coming out pretty soon called uh, Deadland Ritual. I think they're actually playing Aftershock. Oh, yeah? And uh, they sound pretty good. Huh. Like, it's definitely, like... It feels like a later era Sabbath, like one of the post Dio, post Ozzy or, or uh, versions, but it's it's got some chops, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. Mm. Uh, speaking of bands, you recently reunited with your band Animal House. I did not. You did not. It's what was the post? Up. It's coming up. Yeah. So the reunion is coming. That's just my that's just my cover band. Uh, excuse me, this yeah. cover band played Folsom Prison. Yeah, we did. We played in Folsom Prison. Oh, the cover band. Yeah. You know the one. We were, we were the first band to play in the prison since Johnny Cash. And the reason we got in there is my neighbor is a prison guard there, sergeant, <laughs> a sergeant, and he took me down there for a tour. And then I met the music guy, and uh, he goes, "Man, we could we could get your band in here." So after several FBI checks, miraculously, we all passed the FBI background checks. And, uh, yeah, we played in Folsom Prison, including Vince DiFiore, the trumpet player in, uh, in Cake, who, oh, that's who was in my band. Um, yeah. My wife and I went to Folsom Prison recently because we wanted to check out the museum. How much time did you have to do? Oh, well... <laughs> We should be doing more time, but we had good lawyers. Thanks, system. Uh, but we went to check out the museum, and we weren't really sure where it was. So we parked our car in the visitor area, not the, like, we're checking with our, our man who's on the inside visitor area. But then we approached this building that we think is a museum. We're walking up to it, and there's four guys out in the front who are, like, doing yard work. And I'm just going to ask them where the museum is. And they look at me, and they kind of, like, go back to doing their stuff. They look at me again, and they all just keep looking at me. And finally I hear, hey, what are you doing over there? And I'm, uh, we're looking. Are you looking for the museum? Uh, yeah. Don't talk to them. Come over here. 
Nice. So it uh, turns out we were about to talk to some prisoners and ask them where to go. And he's, we get up to the guard, and he's like, they're not allowed to talk to anybody. I'm like, oh, that explains why they got so nervous. Like, what would happen if I asked them? Well, the... I don't know. I was like, oh, I feel like you do know, but you're not telling me. But then we checked out the museum, and I, I don't see a room in there for Animal House, but there's a room for Johnny Cash. So. We, we played on the prison grounds, right in the, right in the yard. It's pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. Uh, and it's, mo- it's covers, correct? Yeah. And you're playing the brew fest over at Front Street? Yep. I love Front Street. That's where I got my cat. Geezer, hit me up. Nice. Uh, <laughs> my cat's name is Geezer, because I have a problem. Uh what are you guys going to be playing? Or no spoilers? Well, you know, I, I do have another band, too. This, Please. That, my, my Animal House is all 60s Fuck stuff. Fuck Animal House. Yeah, I exactly. Fuck them. No, they're great. But I got this all-star band that we do charity events for. And I've got some players in that band, like a guitar player from Danzig. And I have David Bowie's keyboard player and Y&T's bass player. And, God, the list goes on and on. Frank Hannon, Jeff Keith, Brian Wheat from Tesla. They usually do my gigs. Uh, anyway, the all-star band, we do that a couple times a year, and that, that's fun. How do you get uh, in touch with the guys from Tesla? Because I feel like I know Tesla because of you. I just know them. You just do? Yeah, I mean, I've known them forever. Yeah. Cool. So Brian, Brian Wheat used to live on J Street next to Harlow's, but he moved to Texas. But he and I are very, very close friends. Frank lives in uh, Cameron Park. Jeff Keith lives right by me in Granite Bay. So three of the guys are kind of local, and the drummer lives in Nashville, Tennessee now, and the other guitar player, Dave Rude, lives in the Bay Area. Anyway, I've known him forever. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I feel like our, our time here is going to be start wrapping up. I'm going to yeah. have our band here shortly, but I got one more question. It gets a little real. Um, so is this your first podcast? Being it is. One? It is. How I'm really enjoying this because I'm always the guy interviewing. I've never really been interviewed like this. This is pretty cool. It's well, kind of fun. Thank you for being on. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, how do you feel like you have been forced to adapt with on-demand media like a podcast or like more streaming or the upkick of uh, things like Apple Music or Spotify or things where you can just be like, man, I want to hear this Metallica song now. Turn on the radio. Pat's not playing it. I want to listen to it. That's a good question, really. Um, thank you. It is. Um, I can tell you this, that people tune into my radio station more for the personalities than they do the music. It used to be the other way around, but nowadays people tune in more for us than, than the tunes, and that's good for me. It keeps me employed as, a, as an air personality. Now, how do I deal with all these other medias and all that? Well, try to be better every day, just like Geezer Butler. Uh, try to be better. Every day when I walk in the door of my job, I say to myself, i got to be better today. I've got to prove that I'm worth this job that I have. i got to prove that I'm worth getting paid. And I've I got to prove that I can keep this job. So I just try to be better every day. It doesn't always work, but I'm, I'm trying. And I can vouch for the thing with the personalities. When I worked at 98 Rock, I was one of the people who called people to let them know their prize was ready. So if you called Pat, Pat gave you a prize. He handed it off to me, and I was the one that said, hey, you can pick up your tickets now. And every time I did, everyone I called was always super stoked that they won, that they won from Pat, and then just was like they were talking about their best friend who they've known for years and years and years. And I, I feel like that's definitely a big part of it. Oh, thanks. And uh, I would like to thank you for being on Far Beyond Metal. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Pat Martin. Thank you, guys. Thank you.
Thank and you up very next much. in the podcast, we've got some live music from you. It is going to be loud. Uh, if you want to plug your ears, I don't think they'll be offended. Uh, Pat and I were just talking about tinnitus being an issue that he deals with. I don't want anyone else to have that either. So up next, we've got music from Peace Killers, who are from here in Sacramento. You can find them over at peacekillers.bandcamp.com and facebook.com slash peacekillers. So find them there, and you're about to hear some lovely tunes from them shortly. We're going to be a song called Young Man's Shoes.
Yeah. Third and final song. It's the last song. It's the final one. That was the penultimate. This is the ultimate. This one's called Man Ma 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 Magnetic ah. Mountain.
Thanks for coming out, folks. Once again, thank you, Peace Killers. Thank you, Pat Martin. Uh, there's plenty more shows still tonight, so if you're in the room, stick around. If you are listening at home, why are you listening to me? Thanks. Bye. You can hear Pat on 98 Rock on the FM dial on 98.5 if you're in the greater Sacramento area or over at krxq.net weekdays from 10 to 3. Also, grab Peace Killers' debut album over at peacekillers.bandcamp.com and look for the new album soon. Two of the songs they actually played on my show will be featured on the future release. The other one you can find on their debut album. And then, of course, if you'd like to talk to me, you may do so by heading over to facebook.com slash farbeyondmetal. I am on Twitter at underscore farbeyondmetal. The show is on Instagram at farbeyondmetalpod. Or you could email me at farbeyondmetaldan at gmail.com. And as always, the theme song is Far Beyond Metal by the band Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Century Media Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.